Greetings, friends. This is Why Whiskey, a history podcast with a whiskey problem. Or is it a whiskey podcast with a history problem? We'll let you decide. Head on up to the bar, grab a stool and a drink, and let's talk. smokes so happy to be back here i'm not at the bar of questionable life choices tonight i am actually on the road so this is my remote setup that you're hearing i'm sorry there's probably going to be some errant noise in the background a bunch of kids at the pool i'm in a hotel it is what it is we're gonna do the best with what we got and we're just gonna make this work so tonight we are talking about an invention that changed the landscape of America. One simple thing, and we all know it, we all love it, especially in the summer when it's getting super hot outside. And we walk into a building, and we're met with this glorious, wonderful, cold air. Hot damn, they have air conditioning. Yes, down in Texas this week, I have found a new love for air conditioning and an appreciation for it because here it's hot as shit this is insane i've sweat more in the last 96 hours than i think i have in my entire life and i'm not happy but at the end of every day i come back to the hotel room and i'm greeted with my lovely air conditioner and everything's great so we're going to talk about this crazy machine that took us from sweltering sweating to glorious little vacations inside buildings and the like We're going to talk about who made it, how it was made, a little history of it, and how it helps sculpt the country and drive us into what we are today. Let's get started. First up, we got to talk about the whiskey that we're drinking tonight. Uh, Because I'm on the road, I only have one, so I'm going to be drinking the same. So we're going to talk about the whiskey first, and then I'm just going to sip throughout the rest of the evening, the same whiskey. So I uh, went down to the local store here. They had a bunch. I bought a bunch of great stuff that I'm going to take home and super excited to try. We'll talk about those later. But what I'm sipping this evening is some lovely Sazerac rye whiskey. Yep, baby Saz. It's awesome. I love it. So we don't know much about it. There's no age statement. The mash bill is undisclosed. It's Buffalo Traces. Uh, rye mash bill, but it's their lower mash, so it's or lower rye mash, so it's like 51% uh, probably, close to, maybe a little bit above that, but not much. It is a sweet and spicy mix of just deliciousness. I love it. I had a bunch of options, and I wanted to grab a bottle that I was going to be sure to drink while I was here and not be tempted to stow it away with the rest of the bottles that I take home on my trip. So, uh, super cheap. I think I got this for like 25 bucks. You can find it uh, cheaper or a little bit more expensive, depending upon where you are, of course. Always the the big uh, catalyst in price is location, location, location. But this is a incredible rye for your dollar. You won't go wrong. 
Can't go wrong. Pick it up uh, when and if you see it and enjoy. So with that, let's get on to what we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to answer the question, where did air conditioning come from? To answer this question, we have to take a quick look back at the science of refrigeration. Believe it or not, the first time artificial cooling was used was in 1748 when a young fella in Glasgow, England named William Cullen built a system that provided fake cold. Yep, fake cold. Not real cold, manufactured cold. But after demonstrating how it all worked, the whole project was shelved and wasn't used for anything beneficial. So, thanks for nothing, William? What the fuck? No stress, though. Now we're going to jump a few years ahead, and we're going to jump across a big old body of water to the newest country on the block on the North American continent, the United States, where another gentleman by the name of Oliver Evans penned and built, well, he quilled and built, so a little bit more of an accurate statement, a crude refrigeration contraption in 1805. So the same year Jefferson was sworn in for his second term, Michigan became a thing, Lewis and Clark got to the Pacific, and the author Hans Christian Andersen and the Mormon church founder Joseph Smith were born, artificial cooling hit the scene. Now, it wouldn't reach an operational level for about 30 years or so. After Jacob Perkins, a famous American inventor, figured out some vapor compression stuff and made it much more viable. Not that Oliver Evans didn't make something useful. His design would be used to help sick folks suffering from yellow fever chill out. Literally. But this is more of the refrigeration side of our topic. To look into the personal cooling systems themselves, we're heading to China on or about the 2nd century, where an inventor by the name of Ding Huan created the first manual-powered fan. And he used them, in conjunction about seven of them, to provide some cooling to a very large hall. It is said that the system was so effective in moving air that it gave occupants in the hall the shivers. As someone who sleeps with the fan on, I feel as though I owe old Ding a good glass of whiskey. Please join me, everybody. Please join me, fellow fan slash white noise addicts, in a salute to Ding. Cheers. So after Ding brought us fans... We needed something a little smaller and more viable than castle-sized fans run by local cabana boys. Although some of you would probably have preferred that. I'm, I'm looking at you, Michelle. It's just, it just wasn't very practical. So to help out with this issue, I would like to introduce you to the Whirligig fan, or what we now so lovingly refer to as a tabletop fan. These wonders of creation appeared in the 1880s and soon became an indicator of the middle-class lifestyle. Who knew all y'all out there with tabletop fans were so damn fancy, huh? However, the fan wasn't going to be enough and not everyone had giant blocks of ice to set in front of these fans like President Garfield did. See pictures. It's a thing. So there needed to be a system that did just a little bit more than move air around or blow it over a source of frozen water. Water. Most early cooling systems of the time moved air over something cold or frozen. Can anybody think what issue this might cause? You guessed it. Humidity. Oh, sweet Jesus, humidity. Blowing air over cold things was working to make the air colder, but it was making the humidity worse. The last thing I want to do is come in from the outside, being hot and sticky, 
and then all of a sudden become cold and sticky. So gross. <sighs> so, who would come save us from the fuzzy hair slash sticky clothing monster? A gentleman by the name of Willis Haviland Carrier in 1902. According to Raymond Arsenal, in an article for the Journal of Southern History, he says, quote, This system, which controlled both humidity and temperature by pumping air at a set velocity over coils refrigerated at a set temperature, was invented by Willis Haviland Carrier, a 25-year-old Cornell-trained engineer. Quote, Air Conditioning's Edison, Carrier's ingenuity and vision would guide the air conditioning industry until his death in 1950. Close quote. The first systems designed by Carrier would see relatively widespread commercial use in factories and theaters throughout the South, but the use of air conditioning didn't stay at or below the Mason-Dixon. A little over 20 years from the first system being installed in a plant in North Carolina, the cooling of interior spaces would soon spread to rail cars, department stores, and the nation's capital. The House went first, installing a system in 1928, then the Senate followed suit the following year. With the White House and President Herbert Hoover getting some relief from D.C. summers, finally, in 1930. So, do you think, like, they have to follow the House-Senate president thing with everything they do? Weird. Anyway, these early systems were not what you would think of when you envisioned the AC systems of today. Nor were they anywhere near as safe. The early systems often used poisonous or flammable gases and... There were great risks and some pretty spectacular fires that occurred in those early systems. Jonathan Reese talks about this in his article about the safety of those early systems. He mentions a breakthrough in the AC industry that helped get the AC from factories to our homes with safety. And that, my friends, was the discovery of Freon. Quote, in 1928, scientists at Frigidaire, a subsidiary of General Motors, and DuPont, began a joint venture to search for a safer refrigerant under the direction of Thomas Mingley Jr., recognizing that the public would not accept a home appliance that depended upon a dangerous substance to produce cold. The first criterion they established for an ideal refrigerant was that it must be non-explosive. Their effort accumulated in 1930 with the invention of Freon, the trade name for the first of a class of compounds that would be known as chlorofluorocarbons. General Motors also created a joint venture with DuPont's subsidiary Kinetic Chemicals to manufacture and market Freon and develop it for other uses. Freon quickly became the substance of choice for home refrigerators and companies like Frigidaire and General Electric used their knowledge of refrigeration technology to enter the home air conditioning market in the 1930s. Close quote. So now we can chill out in the comfort of our stores and homes. So how would this affect society? How would this have an impact on the culture of the United States? We'll find all that out after a quick break and a message from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you're able to attach smaller products to your backpacks, roller, or tote. As somebody who travels often and has to quite frequently move through the ever-crowding airports, I can tell you that hookup to your bag 
is crucial for efficiency of movement in a very crowded space. Getting from baggage claim out to the pickup area with a lot of bags that can't be clipped together is a pain. DB has figured out how to manage all of this for us. So therefore, we're teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10, that's POD10, or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on. Time to get going. All right, welcome back, folks. So tonight we are talking about air conditioning and the history of air conditioning and the things that it has done to us and our nation. So let's let's talk about uh, coming in out of the heat and into some domesticated bliss, shall we? So we've conquered it. We've conquered the heat and we've created a space for us to escape those evil elements of the summer. I'm not sure if any of you have spent any time in the south or southeast of America in the summer, but let me tell you, I cannot imagine an existence without air conditioning. And for many, they've never had to. With the creation of household air conditioning units, places that were less densely populated due to the heat and lack of employment in climate-controlled areas saw a boom of revitalization and growth. Big handheld fans often seen in movies that take place in the rural south were now being replaced with whirly gigs and soon thereafter, window units that would help keep the inside air cool and dry. The celebrated defeat of the summer heat, say that 10 times fast, was a part of a domestic revolution that occurred in post-World War II America. The Great War Machine got rolling and brought about a dramatic increase in mass production of equipment and goods and all that for the war effort. With the war over, however, these robust factories and their thousands of employees would need to produce something else. So they did. Things like televisions, refrigerators, radios, laundry machines, and yes, the almighty air conditioner were now flying off the same factory floors that, only a few years earlier, had been cranking out tools of war like guns and ammunition and parts for aircraft and other various supplies for the war in the European and Pacific theaters. This boom in products for the domicile, along with a few other things, helped create the middle class and contributed to the birth of suburbia. The taming of the sun was looked on by advertisers in the late 1940s and early 1950s as a status symbol that would make your house a second home for the Lord God himself. Not joking, there are links to these pictures in the show notes. Go look at them. They're hilarious. So there was a few missteps, however, in these ads, as one in Time magazine shows a dining room blanketed in creepy fog. It'll be listed as creepy fog picture. This was unfortunate timing, because just as this ad came out in 1946, the horrors of gas chambers in Germany were starting to become more widely known. But that was fixed, and... Now, ads demonstrate the ability for homes to lavish in comfort while those outdoors stayed in the throes of oppressive heat. In her article about the effect on advertising and its place in post-war America, Andrea Vicinetti says, quote, The association of coolness and leisure dated back to the pre-war years when air conditioning was almost 
exclusive to entertainment venues, and thermal comfort was used to discourage customers from leaving the premise. When cool air spread to the domestic environment, so could the leisurely activities that replaced house chores thanks to the self-sufficiency of the push button. Close quote. What does she mean by that? We beat the heat. We're moving inside. Now indoor activities are taking over. By conquering the climate, American culture was changing. This sentiment was prefaced years earlier by Ellsworth Huntington, a geography professor from Yale who studied the climate and its effect on civilization. In his study, named Civilization and Climate, I guess he wasn't one for fancy or elaborate titles, nor was he really one for fancy or elaborate writing. Not saying I fell asleep during his reading his study, but there's that. Anyway, he says, quote, in other words, wherever civilization has risen to a high level, the climate appears to have possessed the qualities which today are most stimulating, close quote. The most stimulating. Comfortable temperatures and mild humidity. Things created by the air conditioner. So this product would not only stop our disgusting sweating and mild discomfort, but would make us more enlightened as well? (laughs) Well, shit. It wouldn't. Not even close, really. We all know a particular goober who says and does the dumbest shit you have ever seen, and they have tons of air conditioning. Maybe it's a byproduct of the mildly toxic gases it uses? Who knows? But it did bring us inside and help keep us inside more than ever before. I know this sounds a little doom and gloomy, but it's not. After all, given my current location, I found a newfound appreciation for Carrier and his beautiful invention at the turn of the 20th century. There would be plenty of other benefits and even more changes to the American landscape still to come. We'll talk about all that right after this. I'm Micah. I'm Ricardo. And I'm Josh. And we are... The The Warehouse Rats, where we chew up any topic that's put in front of us, including Donald Trump's skin tone, religion, is it real? And the pursuit to rock. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms every Monday. We're out. Peace. Hey friends, it's Ian. I want to ask for your support. Yes, I'm doing it. I'm that guy. So there's a couple different ways you can support the show. If you want to support the show for free, all I need you to do is hop over to iTunes or Podchaser.com and drop me a review. These reviews help kind of bolster my ability to get out there and have more people see the show and come and enjoy the whiskey and history and shenanigans that we enjoy on a bi-weekly basis. Now, if you want to go a little bit deeper and you want to hand over a dollar or two, that would be awesome. I have started a page on buymeacoffee.com. So the link is in the show notes, www.buymeacoffee.com slash whiskey. You can make a donation of however big or however little you want. That's just going to help me buy coffee to stay awake, to keep writing, researching, and pushing this show out to you guys, looking for more guests and just being an all-around freaking, you know, general kind of fun whatever. To those who choose to donate on Buy Me A Coffee, you will be sent a private link. 
a private link that will take you to the video vault of Why Whiskey. Yes, we record the videos. So you get to see me and a guest, or just me sometimes, putting the show together. Unedited, nothing. You get to see the flubs. You get to see just exactly how much I say um. You ever notice that? It's crazy. Anyway, two ways to support. Drop me a review or go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash whiskey and make a small donation to the show. Thanks. Cheers. So seriously, you should go check out the Warehouse Rats. Um, I may have a familial connection to one of them, but I've been listening to that show since it started. It is phenomenal. Go check them out right now. They're amazing. Great show. Josh and Ricardo putting it together, and I think Mike is joining them in there this season too, a little bit here and there. But anyway, go check out the Warehouse Rats. But here we go. Back into the final segment. Uh, tonight, I've, we've been talking about air conditioning. I am sipping Sazerac Rye. Baby Saz, as some call it. It's delicious. It's wonderful. I'm going to drink some right now as we move in to wrap up this final segment where we talk about Southern culture specifically and what this did. So here we are in the 1950s. There's this massive boom that's going on in suburban lifestyle and all these fancy things that are getting cranked out of the warehouses that are factories that have been retrofitted from the war machine are now creating products uh, of domestication and uh, domicile bliss, as it were. Air conditioning is one of them. Air conditioning is a big deal, especially down in the South. And in the 50s and early 60s, we start seeing moves to make air conditioning in the South a thing. A couple different places uh, offer incentives. A couple different places uh, penalize houses for sale if they don't have central air. The, there's a, a federal organization itself that comes out and says, you know, soon every house will have one and it'll be a thing. Obviously, that doesn't apply to the entire South. There's still a very, very large rural population that doesn't have anything. Like, legit, they have, there's nothing there, and there won't be anything there. Now, people associate air conditioning with the boom in population. It's kind of true, but it's kind of not. So the boom in population, right, there's an increased birth rate in the South, but that isn't unique to this period in time and it's not unique to air conditioning just apparently people in the south like making babies now what that does is that makes the baby making environment a little bit more friendly in the summer times so i guess you could attribute (laughs) some of that population growth to uh, more comfortable baby making environments I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm going to link a, a phenomenal study. I, uh, I cited it once already this evening by, uh, by Ron Arsenal. Arsenal? I don't know. Anyway, uh, it, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, he covers a lot of this information and, uh, in depth and in far more depth than, than you and I really need to go, uh, honestly. But, uh, but he points out some, some misconceptions and some other things that are uh, kind of silly that have been thought on as as being things, but where the big impact comes in the South with air conditioning is it opens the South up in the tourism realm. So tourism now you can go down in the summertime and not die because there's 
multiple places that have air conditioning. So that kind of opens up the door. There is some immigration or migration or emigration. I'm not sure what the right word to use there is. It doesn't matter that that happens, but not much. Actually, there's a, I think there's a little bit more outflow still at this point in time because you're starting to get into like the civil rights era and things are getting a little weird in the South uh, for African-Americans. Super weird, right? Um, and, uh, and so there's a, a big part of the population that's leaving as things are kind of changing and air conditioning just kind of falls like in the middle there, right? Uh, kind of in the mix of this, this whole thing. So where are the big changes? How do we see them? What, are the, what is really happening? How does it change the, the culture in the South? Well, by a couple different ways. So we talked about how it has brought in some tourism booming so there's more people visiting there's more people staying we now uh florida becomes the getaway capital <laughs> for a lot of folks in in this time period right and then a lot of those folks stay and then they live there for a long time and then they get super weird florida men on florida man i'm looking at y'all great show as air conditioning spreads the appeal to live in some of these conditions some, uh, that were thought to be inhibitable in Inhibitable? Inhabitable. That's a weird word. I'm in a weird place. I can't say words tonight. Words are hard. Words are so hard. God damn it. Anyway, so places that had been deemed or thought to be inhabitable because of the heat are now not, and they are being... ...populated with some, some speed and some density. Uh, we don't really see the population growth. We just see the folks leaving the South slow down and censuses kind of get the information out there and start to see a swing uh, in a declining population into an increasing population. And then we go out West, not just the South, but it also goes out to the West. And now we can live in places like Yuma, Arizona and not die. Can confirm. Have lived there. It's a great place. Now, one of the things that is thought to have uh, done to the South is take away the hardiness of the people and have an impact on the the culture, the the folk culture of the South. And I don't think they would be entirely wrong because you do see a change, but it doesn't get lost entirely. Over time, the impact on slight changes in tradition, we all know, will eventually see that tra that tradition completely evolve into something that it is no longer recognizable what it originally was, or it'll just simply go away altogether. How many of you left your parents' house with a Christmas Day tradition and now have your own, and then your kids will take that and make it their own, so eventually Christmas, <laughs> three generations down the road, will look nothing like the Christmas that you had. Talked about that a little a little while ago, back in December, but I'm, I'm losing myself here. So the impacts that it had on the South and kind of how it changed things, it brought a lot of more folks in. It brought in more technology. It kind of settled the wildness and, and craziness that was the South to a point. To close out his article, Arsenal says this, quote, perhaps... As it has done so often in the past, the Southerners' special devotion to regional and local traditions will ensure the survival of Southern folk culture, but this time it will not be as easy. General Electric 
has proved a more devastating invader than General Sherman. Close quote. Holy shit. That's kind of intense because the South doesn't have a real fond view on old General Sherman, especially the folks that live in Georgia and South Carolina a little bit. So he likens air conditioning to General Sherman. It's march across the South in total devastation. I, I wouldn't put it that spin on it. I would definitely say that there are some changes and there are some adjustments that came with it. It harnessed the heat. It gave people an escape. It brought them in. Now, you can argue that that makes them softer or whatever, you know, and it changes the landscape. And eventually, you know, I, I think the TV would be more at fault of that than anything else because we definitely spend more time in front of that screen than our air conditioners. But the air conditioners did make the room tolerable to sit in while we watch it. So whether that impact is negative or positive, I'll let you decide. I'll let you think about that, look over, and kind of read the stuff that I read through and make up your own mind on what you think it was a positive transition or a negative transition. Remember, this didn't just impact the South either. This was a much larger event than just in the South, this technology and the expansiveness of suburbia in the 50s and 60s really provided the chance for growth and development. Crazy amount of technology that came out all at once uh, and grew and grew and grew and grew and then kind of slowed down a little bit in the 70s and has slowed down significantly since then. We're still coming out with some great stuff, just not in the volume. So when I say slow down, it's uh, we're still finding and discovering and doing incredible things with technology. It's just the volume has dwindled since the 50s and 60s and then early 70s as well. So folks, tonight we've been talking about air conditioning, talking about the air conditioner, the folks who made it, when it came around, and the impact it had on the south and southwest of America. I hope you are sitting in an air conditioning location listening to this. You're not sweating your ass off somewhere. And if you are, drink some water. The hot days of summer are surely upon us now and we'll be here for a little while longer but it won't be too much longer before we're wishing we could turn on the air conditioner and not the heater maybe we'll talk about that when it starts snowing who knows that'll wrap it up for me tonight guys from the remote question mark bar of questionable life choices not really from a hotel in texas i'm ian this is why whiskey cheers hope you enjoyed today's episode and as always if you have any comments questions or would like to join me for bar questionable life choices for an episode hit me up on email at whiskeyhistory at gmail.com cheers <laughs>